what change? I've got to think this through so I don't get myself into trouble. What change would I like to see in a person who is very close to me? That's not an easy question to answer. And certainly, it may be an easy question to answer, but it's not an easy question to answer in a public forum. Let's see. I could say, I just wish my wife would be more loving to me, but she's very loving already. (laughs) I think I'm going to pass on this question. I keep myself out of trouble. <laughs> oh, glory to God. I'm so glad that you're here today. And, um, and uh, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to be with you on a, on a, on a Sunday morning. And, um, and to share with you not only... Uh, you know, one of the things we do share when we worship is simply God's presence. And we share uh, not only a common bond in Christ Jesus, but we share the seal. What I mean by the seal, we are sealed with, by the Holy Spirit. And, and there's, there's some things that take place when we're worshiping, if we're worshiping. I don't know how I can get, I mean, some of you, it's like, you know, I'm having to pry off the rock. You know, if, you'd just, if, if, if some of you would simply learn to release yourself and to talk to God. You would find your Christianity will be far more full of joy. Look, let me, let me say this to you. I know that you don't live perfect lives. And you're saying, what do you know, pastor? I just know because I know my own life. I look in the mirror every day, you know? And I know that I don't live a perfect life. And one of the things that I struggle with, and I expect that you struggle with, is simply living and accepting the grace and the love that God has for you. In spite of all the things you know about yourself that, that maybe no one else does. God knows, and He loves you. Jesus knows, and He loves you. There's no sin that you have, have done, whether it's omission or commission, whatever, whatever, that was not covered when Jesus Jesus shed his blood. One of the problems that we have, it's not a matter of the debt being paid. The debt's paid. The problem is is that we have a hard time accepting that the debt was fully paid for us. Could I say to you one more time, and it won't be the last time I'll say it, one more time today, the debt has been paid You are free in the name of Jesus. That is if you've given your heart to him. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never asked him to forgive you, the debt is paid, but but it's still waiting for you to go pick it up. In other words, what you need to do this morning, today, right now, whenever, it's to say, Jesus, I accept you as Savior. Forgive me of my sins. And it's done. God will meet you. God will meet you. He will take away your sins. And He will... What does He say? He gives you the power to become the sons and the daughters of the Most High God. 
children of God. Amen? Now, that's not part of the sermon, but maybe it is. And, uh, um, you know, uh, we've been... We, uh, uh, let, me, let, me, let me... Before I get into the sermon, let me say this to you, that uh, a, couple of, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I distributed, um, as, a, as a part of the series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I distributed uh, gift surveys, okay? Now, there, there's a dimension of gifts that can, be, that can be identified through a survey such as that. Uh, and many of you, you took them, and, I, and the instructions were, go home, prayerfully fill these out, score them, and then make, a, make an appointment with the pastor or one of the pastors to discuss. Because here's the thing. It, um, God intends to use you. God intends to use you. And some of these, if, but if not, a, not all of these gifts. Now, there's, prepar- there's further preparation. that Some gifts require further preparation. And I've said that to you before. Okay? And doors have to open. But you have to be willing and ready to step through them when those doors open. Okay? And uh, so, um, let's not just file these little pieces of paper under, wow, that was interesting. Uh, because God has saved us to serve. God has saved us to serve. You have a part in this congregation, in the body of Christ. Okay? And, uh, and, and given the opportunity, given the open door, there will be an opportunity for you to step into that and to develop that gift, okay? Had some of that going on this morning. Okay. Okay. Uh, the, uh, the, the series I'm working on now is a, kind of a surprise series, not because I'm surprising you with it, but the, the first, uh, 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 last week we, we, we talked about sur- surprise by ingratitude, right? And uh, um, was that last week? Yes, it was. Sometimes I lose track because the weeks go by. Um, surprise, this, this week's been really kind of a, a crazy week. I've been traveling a lot, so uh, uh, I'm just not... Maybe I'm just not in touch with some of that. But last week we did Surprised by Ingratitude, and that was about the ten lepers that uh, Jesus healed, and only one of them came back. And we talked about all the good things that God does for us that we need to, in a sense, walk in gratitude. Uh, And and I I threw that out, kind of, I I brought that home a little bit, because you have parents, you have people around you, you have husbands, you have wives, you have relationships, and there is always give and take, and... Gratitude needs to... It's, it's hard not to love a person who's grateful, right? It's hard not to have a good relationship with someone who is honestly and sincerely grateful for the things that, that, that you do, with, do for them or that God does for them. Amen? All right. But today, surprised by real change. Real change. Okay? As, as I think about real change, I, you know, every time I go into Barnes & Noble's... Um, I, I recognize there's not only history, there's westerns, there's cook, there's, there's a whole bunch of cookbooks. Did you know that? And, 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 and then there's a section that's kind of like a self-help section. I think they even put Bibles and stuff in there, okay? And, uh, and, and it, it tells us that, that people are always growing, learning, wanting to grow, wanting to learn. I know that there are some who don't want to, but there's a whole group of people out there who want to learn forever, who want to, they, they look in the mirror and say, hey, you're not enough, or, and, or you need to make some changes with your life, and that's not all bad. And, and so 
there's this whole self-help thing, okay? And, and people buy lots of books. It's a whole industry, right? Whether it's corporations, uh, corporate work. I remember years ago, I used to teach a, 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 um, a course called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. That was a, uh, that was a Stephen Covey, uh, Franklin Covey thing. And I taught it uh, out, out in California. And it was kind of interesting. And it was, it, the thing I liked about it is it, it had some biblical basis. As soon as I read the book, I realized, wait a second. I recognize the footprints of God, okay? And so uh, whenever, whenever we, we, we talk about these kinds of things, we're talking about change. Now, real change is hard. How many of, how many of us here resolved in January to change our eating habits? I'm not going to ask for a hand. Somebody said, no, 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 don't do that, don't do that. Or, or how many of us, you know, resolve to exercise more or to do something different or to get your life in, you know, and so, and some of us even, you know, you went online, you found some tips. I, I went online and I said, okay, how many days does it, does it take to, to create a habit? Okay, well, you know, it, it, it ranges between 20-some and 60-some, okay? And I found that out, okay? And so, again, what's, what's behind that? Well, we want to change uh, what we're doing, how we are. We want real change, okay? Now, the, world's, uh, the world is a, is a mixed bag of, could I say mess? Okay? There's some great things out in our world because we live here, we enjoy it, but there's some things that, that need to be changed, right? Um, change is a subject all, all in itself, but but one of the things we want to see when it comes to religious fervor, when it comes to Christianity's real change, how many of us uh, have, have witnessed, whether it's in our own life or in the lives of others, and I'm not, we're not judging here, just simply uh, people who have gotten religious, but there's no change in their life. They say they're a Christian, they say they're a follower of Jesus, but the truth is, you know, uh, they have a hard time getting up Sunday morning for church because they've closed, they closed um, Pal Joey's down at 2.30, or the, or the bullfrog, or I, I'm, I'm running out of names. I don't know that many, okay? And you're saying, Pastor, I'm, I'm amazed you knew those, right? <laughs> I've been in both of those places looking for people. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Anyway, enough about me. Change is, is something that we're looking for, and, 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 and when... when, when one of, one of the things that you might say grabs a hold of us is when we see real change. Okay? Um, it's really powerful to know that, that somebody went through the Dave Ramsey like uh, Financial Peace University thing and in nine months they're debt free. That's, that's pretty significant, isn't it? It'll get your attention when somebody does something and there's real change in their life. When they, t- they, they decide to, to get their physical body under control and they're exercising and, it get, and, and the doctor's attention is, 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 is caught when, you know, wow, your cholesterol's really down. There's real change here. You know, it's not just, oh, yeah, doc, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And then the next, next time the blood's just the same as it was the last time. Okay? Real change is something that takes real things. Okay? And we, we come across the story. Now, 
in the book of Luke, we see a, a lot of stories. Jesus, Jesus said a lot of things to a lot of people, and he told a lot of parables, and every one of them had a point. Now, uh, we see him in the book of Luke meandering around, could I say it that way? Meandering around uh, Israel. Between Galilee and Caesarea, and down to Jerusalem, and, and, and over to the coast, and up and again. And, and, and if you, it, would, it would almost remind you, have you ever seen the Sunday funnies? We used to call them the funnies. The, the comics, the color comics on Sunday, and uh, I think it's Family Circle. And you see Billy. Billy, and, and sometimes they'll do a map of, of Billy. And, and um, mom, it starts with mom saying, look, take this to Mrs. So-and-so or go down here and do this. And you'll see the map. I mean, he goes next door. He plays on the swing set a while. And he, and he comes over here. He pets a dog. And over here, he's like he's, he's looking under a bush. And it's like, you know, and it's like he's all day. But he's all over the neighborhood. Okay. Well, I don't, I don't say that, you know, and, 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 and uh, understandably that Billy had probably some purpose in these things, but this is kind of what the, the meandering could look like as Jesus moved throughout. But Jesus had a point and a purpose, okay? Just as you and I have a point and a purpose when we walk through this life. Don't believe in coincidences if you're a believer, God has his hand on you, and as Jesus was moving through here, he had appointments. Could I say that? That, that he had some appointments with people as he went down to, to Samaria, as he went through uh, Galilee. Uh, one of the interesting stories I remember is that Jesus was going to, uh, from Jerusalem, I believe it was from Jerusalem to Galilee, and he looked at his disciples and said, look, I've got to go through Samaria. And they're all saying, Why? Why? And, and if, you, if you read the story, you recognize that there was a woman in Samaria that Jesus had to talk to, and that woman was key, was pivotal for the, for, for the salvation of that whole region. See, so Jesus, in a sense, meandered through, making, keeping appointments. Um, uh, but along the way, as he talked, there was a time when he sent 70 out. You know, there was, I'm, I'm kind of fast-forwarding here, but he sent 70 out. And he said, go into all the, all the villages and preach and teach. And he said, and when you go, don't take a purse or a bag or an extra cloak. And he says, and behold, I'm sending you as sheep among wolves. How about that? Go out without money. Go out without an extra script. Don't ask anybody for anything. And by the way, you'll be as sheep among wolves. Okay? And so, uh, you know, remember these 70 were kind of hanging out with Jesus and, and, and spending time listening to the things that he taught and, and, and spoke. And the things that Jesus had taught, and I'll get to the scripture in a moment. And if you, if you read through the book of Luke, Luke, there was a story about an unrighteous steward, okay? A person who was, in a sense, a steward for somebody else's money, but he was, you know, he was kind of like, he wasn't doing things right, Okay? And then there was a story about a rich man and Lazarus. You know, the rich man was, was in hell looking up at, and saw Lazarus, and, and as, as the scripture says, in Abraham's bosom. And so we see that story being told. And the lessons that came from that story, that the, there was hopelessness. There comes a time when, it's, when there's hopelessness uh, in your life because you've shown no mercy to other people. Okay? You've seen that. 
That was the passage. Then we see a a scripture that that I spoke about just recently about the rich young ruler. Okay? Um, And part of that story was Jesus said, said to them, said to his disciples, he said, you know, it's easier for a, for a, a for, it, it's, it's easier for a, a camel to get through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And, and I, I don't know what that did for, I mean, did for folks, because riches is, is kind of like a, a relative term, isn't it? And the disciples said, well, <laughs> Jesus, then who could enter into the kingdom of God? And, and, and here was the key, here was the key. He said, with man's impossible, but with God all things are possible. Now, if, to, to capture the understanding of that passage, you'd have to go back and see what was being asked. And what was being asked was, Lord, what good thing must I do to get into the kingdom of God? And so Jesus went with it. Jesus went with it. He said, okay, do this. He said, do this, do this, do this. And he was talking about the commandments of God. And, and the guy said, I've done all those. So Jesus put his finger on one thing. He wanted to bring the man to a place where he could not depend upon his own capacity to get in. And now that wasn't part, it wasn't up front, but it's right there. And he said, okay, you've done all those things. One thing you lack. Go sell everything that you have and give it to the poor and come and follow me. And the guy said, oh man. And he went away. And his disciples said, who can, who can, who can do this? And Jesus said, it's impossible with men, but with God all things are possible. What do you say? That there's another route. It's not about being good. It's not about doing the right things. Okay. Then we see, in, we see another story. In, it's in Luke 18. It's about a, Paris, a Pharisee and a publican. A Pharisee was a religious leader of the day. Okay. Really, really kosher, did all the things right, tithed on their mint and their rue. They just, just and, and the problem is with that kind of, of lifestyle, there, was, there came arrogance. Okay? So the story goes something like this, that, that uh, you've, got a, you've got, you've got uh, Pharisees praying and the publican, Publican was a tax collector for the for the for the for the Romans. He ta- collected taxes from the Jews, from the Romans, and and was a hated person. I'll talk about that a little bit later. But the Pharisee was was praying. He said, "God, I'm so glad I'm righteous. <laughs> you know, I, I'm so glad I'm not like this bum over here. You know, I t- I do everything right. I tithe. I, I do all these things right." And, and this guy over here, I'm sure he can even hear it, okay? Can you believe that? This guy's praying this, and this guy can hear it in the publican, or this tax collector, who was probably one of the most hated person, type of person in Israel at the time. Uh, he said, this, I don't even know why he was there, but he was there praying. And he had his head down, wouldn't even look up and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus responded and said this, he says, who do you think? went home justified. And he was, and so he, he opened the door. He opened the door uh, to a place where most Israelites had never seen. They pulled the curtain back and said, there's something else at work here. 
What you had thought about as righteousness was only arrogance and self-satisfaction. Here is a man who is repenting of his sins. This was something different. This was something new. And so we come to Luke 19, verse 1. It's a long intro, right? Jesus, he entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man by the name of Zacchaeus. And he was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Now he wasn't just a tax collector. He was the chief tax collector. Like he was over the district. Maybe he was over the IRS. I don't know. The IRS in Jerusalem. I don't know. And he was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable to because the crowd was because of the crowd, because he was small of stature. Now, now, now you say, why does he want to see who Jesus is? Remember, Jesus sent 70 out. They had gone through all these places already. And what did they say? Well, yeah, the kingdom of God is at hand and all those things. But no doubt they had some conversations with the people there. Now, I'm, I'm playing here because uh, it's not written. It's not written. But, but know this, that the things that they had learned from Jesus, they were sharing as they went. Make sense? And some of the stories that Jesus had mentioned, some of the teachings... He was, uh, the people were no doubt sharing as they went through these various villages between Galilee and Jerusalem. My hunch is that the story about the rich man or the, or the, or the Pharisee and the publican had been repeated. Okay? All right. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable because of the crowd, because he was a short man. Remember the song, Short People? Some of you do. Kind of irreverent. Poor Zacchaeus. But he made up for it too, didn't he? So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass that way. Can you imagine? Now, this guy was not young. He must have really wanted to see Jesus badly. He got an old guy hoisting himself up on the branches. He's probably working pretty hard. And the, and the people around him says, I hope he falls down. I hope he falls down. He's a tax collector. I hope he falls down, breaks his neck. I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't say. But I have fun anyway. And, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and, and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly. And when they saw it, they all began to grumble. They, the crowd around him. He's going to be the house, going to be the guest of a, of, of, a, of, of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Lord, behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give it back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come and to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, I don't know what you want to do with this, but, but there's some things that we can learn out of this passage. 
some might say, well, Jesus knew he was rich, so, you know, if he brings him into the group, funding, the funding, we don't have to raise funds for the, for the, for the new roof, right? Okay? He's just, he's being, in a sense, uh, some would say he's being, he's showing favoritism because this guy is rich. Okay? I don't think that's what was going on there. Because I, there's no recorded fund transfers there except to the people that this man defrauded. And where he took things that he shouldn't have taken. Now there's not much to know about this man. But, but I'll, I'll grant you, because of his stature, he had to work a little harder. And he had to be a little smarter than his tall companions. That's, that's life, isn't it? Anybody get that? Okay. And this, this extra effort that he experienced, maybe there was a little bitterness there, I don't know. It was partly responsible for the kind of man that he had become. You want to bully me at school? Where do I grow up? Be a tax collector. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I don't know. Okay. He, and no doubt he, he, probably, uh, he probably had this kind of relationship. Probably no one liked him. He, they were seen, uh, a tax collector, a publican was seen as, you know, they, they, were, they were hated, they were, they were worse than sinners, considered worse than sinners by the, by the local Jews because they were viewed as traitors because they collected the taxes for the Romans. It's not wrong to be a tax collector. But he overtaxed them. That's how he became rich. Okay? He was a religious outcast. He probably wasn't invited to anybody else's homes except other tax collectors. And the Romans probably had a place for him. He probably went to the synagogue but was shunned by his Jewish neighbors. Wasn't. He probably wasn't. He had given up trying to live right. Who needs to live right when you've got all the money that you could ever want? Right? Who needs, who needs to, all these people? I don't need friends. I've got all the money. I can buy everything that I want. Money can make up for a lot of things, can it? Who cares what people think when you've got a big house and lots of servants? When you, th- when you have a, a, a seven-chariot garage, <laughs> huh? Huh? You know? and, 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 a, you know, and, a, and four bathrooms and 25 bedrooms, I don't know, who cares what other people believe? Huh? When you've got enough money in the bank to buy anything and everything you want, who cares what they think? Money can make up for a lot of things, and... You know, there's a story I read online. You know about it. It's, it's a wonderful life. Wonderful life. Remember Wonderful Life and George? George was uh, in trouble. And he meets up with an angel. The angel's going to help him. But George is in trouble with money. And, uh, and the, the angel says to, to George, he says, well, I'm here to help you. And George says, what, you got a lot of money? He says, oh, no, we don't have money in heaven. And George says, well, it it sure comes in pretty handy down here, bub. Okay? 
But my hunch is, at some point in time, Zacchaeus came to a place where it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. The scripture tells us, and I'm not, I'm not preaching against wealth at all. Not at all. But against, in a sense, and I, in a sense I'm not preaching against anything, but simply to reveal that oftentimes the things that we depend upon to keep us and to make us secure and to give us the things that we need, no matter how full our bag is, will never be enough. Never be enough. Oh, it comes in handy. Huh? Yeah. We, we pay our bills, don't we, Valley? Okay. We, have to, we live in a house. We have vehicles. We have to get back and forth. It comes in handy. But in the final analysis, those things are not enough. You see, you and I were made differently. I'm going to say you and I, all humanity was made differently. Jesus said it this way, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, What's the meaning behind that? The bread, uh, we could talk about pumpernickel and, 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 and rye bread, whatever. But that's not what he was really talking about. The greater, the greater picture here was bread represented this world's life. Okay? That's sustenance, and this is the things that maintains this world's life. You can have this world's life and there still be some zero that you need to fill. Jesus put his finger on it and he speaks to you and to me and says, it will never be enough. You can fill your life with the things of this world and it will never be enough. You need me. Now, getting back to the story. Now, again, we read this story and we say, something just doesn't jail. There's got to be more to the story. Well, each and every one of us live a life and we have multiple contacts in that life. And we can rise to the top of our game, so to speak, in this world and still need something. Get to that place where we've risen and we find out that there's no kabang. You know what I mean by that? You, 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 uh, you, 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 you're able to accomplish everything that you ever thought that you needed to make you happy. You get there. You get there in spades, so to speak. You get there completely. You've got it all. You're the top of, you're, you're the, top of the line in your career. You're, making, you're at the top of your, 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 your income bracket. It's not going to get any better. You have everything that you need, everything that you want, and then there's something missing. And I think that's where Zacchaeus was. And, and quite frankly, he had kind of given stuff up. He had given it up. Uh, the whole idea of salvation, he had give, kind of given it up uh, in his pursuit of this. He was rejected because, and he just said, okay, I'll be a tax collector. And he had risen to the top of his game. He was an outcast but there was something gnawing at his heart. Something gnawing at him. And he probably thought he was just kind of lost. Just lost in this whole process. 
until he heard a story about a publican and a Pharisee. I believe you heard that story. Whether it was firsthand or secondhand from one of and all of a sudden he recognized that God looks upon the heart and there was hope for even a publican. There was hope for even a tax collector. There was hope for even someone who was considered to be a traitor by his friends. There was hope for someone who was an outcast who, who, who people didn't like. He still needed that. The money wasn't enough. The camels weren't enough. The house wasn't enough. Prestige uh, uh, connections within the Roman, it was not enough. And he heard about this Jesus, whether it was from somebody else who told this story. And then he wanted to see him. I don't know, maybe, just maybe, one of those 70 went back and said, man, I had this conversation with this little short guy. He was really interested, but he was a tax collector. You know, nobody likes tax collectors, but he made an impression on me. His name was Zacchaeus. He may be in Jericho when we go back up through there again. I don't know. Okay? Okay? Are these the kind of conversations we have in, in, in the community? Yeah, I, I was here and I met this guy. Da, da, da. I don't know what happened. But we have to kind of fill in the blanks because he, Zacchaeus just, didn't just pop out of the ground. And Jesus looked up, saw him, maybe he recognized him. Maybe, you know, God, God just knows who we are, right? Zacchaeus, come down. Today I'm going to eat in your house. Disciples, the Jewish said, it's kind of like, kind of like when Jesus was, was allowing the, the prostitute to, to wash his feet. If he's God, he would know who this person is. How can he let him, I mean, if he's, if he's a prophet, he would know who this person is. Why does he let her wash his feet? See? Jesus knows and looks on the heart and loves and cares. Sees the open heart and open door. He says, Zacchaeus, I'm going to eat with you today. And Zacchaeus said, what did he say? Jesus, I'm going to pay back all that I, I, that I took in fact, if any I've defrauded, I'm going to pay him back with, with interest. Okay? I started out saying real change. Talk about real change. I'd say that was real change. There was action. There was something visible that was that, that. You know, in other words, a response. A response. You know, I don't know. I mean, Zacchaeus, who was an outcast, now is an insider. Not only does he, is, is he received, he's, he's honored. Not because of his wealth, but, but because he wanted salvation. We go back to the passage of Scripture where, where uh, Jesus said to his disciples, said, look, when he, when, he talked to, when, he, when he talked to his disciples about the person who, you know, the eye, through, eye of the needle, and he said, look, it's, with men it's impossible but with God, everything is possible. It's not about the money. Can I say that? It's not about the money. Those things can be obstacles, but it's not about the money. It's about an open heart. It's not about the stuff. It's not about the things that cling, cling to our lives, that clog our spirit, but it's about an open heart that's willing to receive God. 
It's about an open spirit that says, Jesus, I need you. It's about a, a humility that says, I'm not enough without you. And I've done all of these things. I've climbed all of these little uh, mountains, these corporate mountains. I've done all of these things, and I realize that it's not enough. I need you. I need you. It's not about the money. It's not about the position. It's not about the wealth. It's not about any of those things. It's about opening yourself to God. Opening yourself to Jesus. And that's what Zacchaeus did. Why is that true? We were created in His image. There's a divine spark in us. And the bread of the world, no matter how, no matter how sweet it is at the moment, ultimately will never satisfy you. George, you might say with George uh, from the wonder, This a Wonderful Life, he says, it sure comes in handy, but it'll never be enough. It'll never be enough. I don't know where you are today. Could we, could we worship? Could we sing? I don't know where you are today. You, and, and I'm not going to talk about money. I'm talking about filling our lives with things. Chasing, in a sense, the world's rainbow. I mean, we all have to work. We all have to do some things. I'm not saying that. But to do that without Christ will never satisfy. Will never satisfy. Never satisfy. There may be people sitting, you may be sitting here. I, you know, look, we wrestle, we all wrestle with the same stuff, okay? So it's, it's not one of these things. There's always going to be a part of us that chases something that doesn't satisfy because, whether it's a relationship, whether it's, whether it's simply to, you know, I've got more Xbox games than, than all my buddies, you know? And he who dies with the most wins. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it could be anything that you try to satisfy your life with. It may be prestige, a position, a name, it's a title. I don't know. But you'll find that it's not enough. The tr- and I'm not making these things evil. It's only when we try to fill the void that God has put in us with them. In other words, we stuff those in and say, that's going to make... Had a, had a lady. She did this with education. She got a, her bachelor's degree. She got a master's degree. She got her PhD. And she was just so unhappy. Just so unhappy. All these things, were these were the, the, the goals she had set in her life. And one day she laid them out on her bed, her degrees. Now you can think this is nuts. But she stood there and said, speak to me. Speak to me. And that voice that came from an emptiness. The degrees were good. They just were never intended to fulfill what she wanted them to do. The world can't give you what you need. 
Only God can. Truth is, all those things are good in the right place. But when we chase them, instead of chasing God, there'll never be enough. There'll never be enough. There'll never be enough. Stand with me. Let's worship. I'm going to close our service in a little while, but I want to give you a chance. I don't know where we are. You know, it, it doesn't have to be wealth. It could be a relationship. Simply an idea of how to live our lives. For Zacchaeus, I don't know what he wrestled with except that he was a rich guy, but I think he was, you know, he had, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't want to psychoanalyze this poor guy. But I know this, that it wasn't enough. Whatever he was getting, going after wasn't enough. And he came to a place where he realized it. God opened the door for him and he said he wanted to go through. God opens the door for you and says, come through. The door is Jesus Christ. The door is Jesus. He said, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If you'll open to me, I'll come in to you. I'll sup with you, you with me. Satisfaction, joy, peace. And, and you know what? Here's what I find is once we, have, once we receive Jesus in our lives, all those other things make sense. The money that we have, the positions we have, the titles that we have. Once Jesus is in a place of lordship in our lives, all those other things make sense. Make more sense. Amen? Amen? Now, the altar is always going to be open. If you're here and you've never given your heart to Jesus, never given your heart to Christ, and you sense the stirring right here, stirring of your, of your spirit, I want you to come. I want you to come. You want to give your heart to Christ today. That's a decision that each and every one of us make on our own. But He'll save you. He'll deliver you. And He'll begin a process of real change. Change that satisfies. Change that people can see. Change that you can see. The change that's wrought, not not by a self-help book or by just gutting it out, but by the presence of God within you, working and changing you. Amen? Amen. I want to open the, the altars for, for anyone who wants to pray. If you're here and you're giving your heart for, to, to the Lord for the first time, is, is there anybody like that today? You want to give your heart to Christ. You've never done that before. You've never done that before. Okay? No one? This altar's open as we worship. Let's make Jesus the point of our lives. Amen? The point. The point. The goal. Amen? Let's worship.